I hit the wrong button. Hello, everybody. How's it going tonight? Welcome to the Unofficial Elder Scrolls Podcast. I am your host, as always, Pylon. And as you can see, I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a few weeks of doing this. And as I go in, I'm hitting the wrong buttons and doing all the wrong things. So hopefully we'll get that's all of our tech issues out of the way up front and we won't have to worry about it anymore. We've got a great show tonight. We're going to be talking about Argonians, which I personally have been super, super excited for. And I didn't want to do them first when we started our new lore series because they're my clear favorite and I didn't want to just show like just complete favoritism and be like, oh, we're just going to talk about Argonians for like a month. But I'm happy we're finally getting to do it as well. And now we have two guests with us, some faces that haven't been on for a while, but I realized none of our faces have really been on for a while other than streams with myself, Avron and AKB. But Lost, how are you doing tonight? Things are going pretty well. Thanks for having me, Pylon. Yeah, I've missed you. We haven't got to hang out and chat as much, so it's been sad. But... It's been a bit weird. Yeah, I don't like the it. The time both not... takes forever and flies too quickly. I don't I know, know how to process it. Nothing makes sense anymore. Everything is hard. Uh, and we also have Baratron hanging out in a grove in Morrowind, it appears. How are you doing this evening? I am doing much better, thank you. I had a cold. Yeah. And, uh, and a fever, and I was feeling very sorry for myself a few days ago, but... I have a voice. I, and... I feel like the last time you were on the channel, you had just taken a COVID test. Yes, I had, but not because I thought I had COVID. That was to go to the hospital. To, yeah, just to go to the hospital to yeah. get things in. So that's always fun. It's not. If anybody's had the COVID test, it's not. Uh, PSA, wear a mask, please. I don't want to have to deal with this again. <laughs> No, I definitely have a cold. It's not COVID, but uh, I did have a I did have a high fever, and there was there were you know when you can't breathe properly, you can't think properly, and 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 it makes you stupid. And I was forgetting things constantly. Yeah. Oh, I'm just nice. totally but yeah, doing, doing way better. I'm totally a fan though of just like adopting the culture. If you're feeling slightly under the weather, just wear a mask. Like that's kind of what like a number of Asian cultures do, and things like that. It's like it just seems polite. Like, no one wants to look at someone, like, rubbing their nose all day and, like, being all snotty. So it works out well. I like it. Uh, anyways, why don't we pop out and talk about some of our news? So we don't have a ton of news to talk about this week, but we should have a little bit to cover. Uh, I want to give some housekeeping updates to start. Uh, we have some updates for our Patreon. First of all, they've allowed yearly memberships in Patreon, which is actually really exciting because coming up soon, we're going to be doing our giveaway for the loot, not loot boxes, because you know it's going to be in them. They're not random. There's no gambling involved. The treasure chests of UESP <laughs> goodies that we'll be doing in a yearly uh schedule with them so the minimum you have to do is be subscribed for a minimum of six months as an elven to get the minimum tier of boxes there but now that you can subscribe annually you don't have to worry about that you can actually do it anytime now uh subscribe that way if you want a chance to get the patreon boxes uh if you haven't seen we posted it i think on discord and our social medias uh some previews of the new coins that we're giving out and they look so cool. They're like the kind of the style of the like the ESO coins that they've been giving out with all the different chapters and things like that. They're a little bit bigger than them too. And oh, I'm excited for it. It looks so, so good. Uh, besides that, we also had like a huge giveaway. So I want to thank everybody on Twitch for coming out to our 
September giveaway extravaganza event. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun giving away. We gave away one of the reliquaries, which was really cool. Uh, happy to see one of our members from France got that, which was really excited. Um, I see someone's logged in on our Twitch as UESP right now. Yeah, it's me. Confused. It's, it's me. And I'm it's confused you. because I thought I was logged in as myself. <laughs> Let me log in as myself. Also, I was like, who's impersonating us right now? Uh, we have a ton of stuff to give away and we will be doing another giveaway again very soon in the future so make sure you stay tuned to our Twitch we'll have copies of Greymore to give away we have more torch bugs we have more crowns to give away we've got lots of fun stuff there so make sure you tune in uh, but Baratron do you want to let us know what's going on in the wonderful world of the Elder Scrolls Online? Okay so the quarter four story DLC Markarth uh, been announced we already knew about it but we thought it was going to be called Darkstorm and they changed the name. I like it better. It more. I like it better too, though. Yeah. Because uh, it, I'll it remember a, which one it is. It is, 100%. Yeah. That is 100% because I'm it like, Darkstorm is, sure. is so ambiguous mm. and just like generic fantasy name generator sounding that we also, with Harrowstorm, Dark Heart of Skyrim, Darkstorm, it was yep. too close. So I'm actually happy with Marco. I wouldn't I be surprised, to be quite honest, if part of the problem was with the the current, the quarter three DLC, which is the Castle Thorn and... Stone Garden? Stone, Stone Garden. Garden. Which is Stone you know, Thorn. Is it, is it Stone Thorn? Is it, is it Garden? <laughs> Castle Stone, Garden? Is it you know. Stone, Dark Stone Storm? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of, part of the reason. The Dark Heart of Stone Thorms Castle Thorn. What the Force 3 was called. But anyway, there is going to be an information stream this Saturday, which is September the 19th, uh, 3 p.m. EDT. It's actually a pretty good time um, in Europe as well. That's 8 p.m. Uh, BST, British Summertime, uh, 9 p.m. Central European Summertime. Don't know how it is for Australia. They, it's probably the middle of the night, but, you know, it's, it's good for... You can't for, win, everybody. The whole of the, the whole of North America and Europe are getting that to. You always get a time. loser when it comes to time zones. So, just it's impossible to do it at, yeah. at a time that suits everybody. But they anyway, don't normally do these on a Saturday, so that's kind not. of exciting. I'm wondering why they're doing it on a Saturday. I don't know. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. We will be live tweeting it as usual. I say we. I will be live tweeting it as usual, <laughs> and uh, everybody who watches it live with a linked Twitch account will get a free purple Torchbug pet uh, to be delivered so by Monday the twenty first. It, yeah, it's it's nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I still nice. don't have a normal Twitch or tor Torchbug, but I'm gonna get the Twitch Torchbug. I have the Crimson Torchbug. I have the Crimson one too, but I want yellow. I want to win yellow. I can't steal one of the ones that we have for giveaways because my moral compass will not allow it. But I want have to, to win, win one, one from someone somebody, else that's giving somebody, away a torch bug. Someone else on UESP has to be streaming with torch bugs to give away. And no, then you but can, I still uh, can't. Still I'm, can't, okay. I'm in charge of all that stuff. That's super shady if I take one from <laughs> that I arranged to get for another one of our streamers to give away. Well, what if someone reverse Katniss's you and then they give it to you? That would work, but that's okay. still... I don't know. May the odds be ever in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Baratron, what else anyway, is happening in the other worlds? If you're listening to the show live, the Imperial City event ends on Tuesday, the 15th September. That's tomorrow at 2 p.m. GMT or 10 a.m. EDT, the usual time for events to finish. And, you know, if you are listening live, then you've still got time to get six more event tickets. You get three tonight and three in the morning. Uh, if you're, I'm afraid if you're listening to the podcast, then it's probably all finished. Yeah, well, it should be up at midnight tonight. So 
if you are the first people to download the podcast tonight, good luck. Log in right now before 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, I will be. This is the one benefit of working from home is that I can just walk down to my office like 15 minutes early and log into a game and just play for, until work starts. Yeah. So I have I haven't missed as many like event tickets as I normally do. Pylon thus demonstrates his maturity. I cannot log in fifteen minutes before work. Because then it turns into hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at doing that. I just like log in, get out there, and go. Hour later, uh, Zenimax have confirmed that there will not be a Dark Brotherhood or Thieves Guild or combined Dark Brotherhood and Thieves Guild. DLC event this year. They've got some some new events. Good. We should stop glorifying um, those villains. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you really feel lost? No, that's exciting though. I think I think it's good that we have some new events coming in. I've, the the kind of the cycle of events has been a little bit tiring, so it'll be nice to see. I imagine we'll have an elsewhere event coming in, um, which will be probably the dragon hunts again. Would be my guess. The same thing we did for the charity event next uh, last year. Um, I don't know. We'll find out. Trying to think what else there might be of new ones. We'll have new life again. We'll have hollow jack again for sure. I don't know what other ones. Yeah, there will be. So hopefully there has to be at least two more other than new life hollow jack elsewhere. We need a fourth one. I was vaguely and... under the impression that they were doing something with Greymore. Ready. Because do you remember that with Somerset, when it had just come out, they had the Pathfinder the, achievement one? The, yes, the Pathfinder achievement. Um, what do they call it? Do they call it Summerfall? Summerfall, I think sounds right. Summerfall. Um, so, it, so it's entirely possible that there will be an event like that where you go around and, uh, and everybody on the server helps everybody else get, yeah. the, get the items. The same thing happened with Elsewhere, too. Right, well, would you one of those for Greymore? Yeah. Possibly. Or was it... It was, yeah, it was the Pathfinder got you Kilgrandi's cash. It wasn't okay, I don't, I don't dragons, quite remember, I don't think. to be honest. Yeah, and then Greymore, we haven't had anything yet, so. But that's a different event. That didn't give us event tickets. Summerfall, I don't think. No, it didn't. But it no, was an event was a, anyway. It was an event, yeah. It was an event in general, so. It'll be exciting to see what they come up with. And then I think we also have some new crown store items. What have we got in there? We don't have... We have a returning ground store item, Ooh. which is the Dark Shaman or Shaman costume. Returning, it's the one everybody loves with the long skirt and the arm braces and then a bare chest for men and sort of a little uh, breastband for women. Everybody loves that costume. Oh, yeah, that one. And that's returning from September the 17th to the 21st. Um, now, previously, this has been 1,200 crowns for uh, regular players or 960 crowns for ESO Plus members. I don't see any reason why that price would change, but I, I, I can't confirm it. Just to give you, but just to give you a ballpark figure. That's what I'm expecting. I imagine we'll have quite a bit more ESO news next week. That so much so we'll probably oh, just focus yeah, the entire so I mean, podcast on what's going on with Mark Harris, since we'll have all of the details after that and information some more stuff stream. There. Yeah, yeah. They said there's going to be a lot of news like they're going to tell us all the events that are coming up they're going to tell us the what's going to happen in the dlc and a few other surprises so i imagine we'll have a lot to talk about uh but in the meantime lost can you catch us up on not just one week of legends events that we've missed but three weeks of legends events so 
In ages past, three weeks ago, there was the <laughs> Grand Melee hosted in Legends, and that one gave away a premium alternate art for the Bandari Opportunist. Then last week, there was a gauntlet, Ulfric Stormcloak's gauntlet. That one, it was a returning gauntlet. All deck building requires you to use cards that cost five magicka or less, so a lower end of the curve um, fight, I guess. And that one allows you to have the full collection unlocked, so you didn't have to buy the cards. You had access to everything. Then this last weekend, they had the Arsenal Gauntlet, which was a brand new gauntlet type using some pre-existing lanes they've used. The left lane was the Armory Lane, plus one, plus one to a random creature whenever you summoned a creature there. And the right lane was a Barracks Lane. Anytime you summon a creature with four or more power, you draw a card. So combining two things to make one thing, which sounds nice. And then that one also each run awarded a premium alternate art East March Crusader. That ended today at about 10 a.m. or so. And so, again, all of this stuff is in the past. <laughs> so I should probably save this for later. But I've been playing a lot of Legends again. Nice. I just randomly, the other day, I was, like, sitting on my couch, and I, like, grabbed my iPad, and I was like, what do I want to do? I'm going to play Legends. And I've got in there, and I completed all my quests, and I've been trying to work up with my own Sylvie deck again, and I've got to rank 9 now. So it's been a lot of fun. Like, the game is... Like, I know it's abandoned, essentially, but it's in a pretty good space that I'm not yeah. just worried that I'm like, oh, only one deck. Like, when before, when it was just, like, the Oblivion decks were the only things you could run, the Jaws of Oblivion, yeah. uh, whatever you call it. It settled uh, invade, back down. Invade decks, yeah. It kind of settled down, and things are there, so... I don't know, I think it's in a good place. Like, I'd like to see more content again, but I know we won't. Agreed. So... Well, that's exciting. But uh, we also, again, we should be getting Blades news soon, given our, like it. the schedule that normally... I bet, imagine next week we'll probably see a little bit more. Maybe we'll see a joint ESO Blades event. That would be That'd cool. That'd be interesting. Maybe that's what they're announcing extra on Saturday. Or, so I wouldn't count on it, but that would be cool. I wouldn't count on it either, but it would be very cool. Um, but we do have some called ARMS news. What's going on there, Lost? So I think the last time we had a show, we mentioned that pre-orders were going up soon. Um, now the Adventurer Allies and Adventurer Followers sets are available for purchase. I know I saw some pictures of people that had been receiving theirs and started painting them up. So the first expansion content of the game is out now. And if you get those, they also give you access to PDF versions of the unit cards because the chapter one card pack has been delayed a little bit and isn't out yet because of obviously the whole everything is in chaos situation everybody's facing. <laughs> but the chapter one card pack is coming out. I think it's supposed to be within the next month or so. But anyway, they give you PDFs so you can play with your figures as soon as you get them. So very, very cool. Can you explain what, what this means? What, what's a card pack? for? So they're breaking up their expansions into chapters. So chapter one is focused on the Civil War in their Skyrim Age, I think is what they're calling it. And so they are releasing all of the cards that support the entire wave of releases for chapter one. So when you bought the starter pack, you got all of the cards that came, all of the cards needed for the release models. Every other mm -hmm. model they're releasing in the chapter is going to be in one card pack. Including some errata to existing cards that weren't printed right. They're reprinting starter set cards and including oh. them in the pack as well. It doesn't that always happen with role-playing games? Probably. Yeah. 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 So 
Yeah, two new sets. I know we talked about what they were before, but there are some cool adventurers in those groups. And ignore the naming conventions because the followers set is all heroes. The allies set is the one that has mechanically followers in it. Oh, that's not confusing at all. That's not confusing at all, no. I think it's... So they talked about it some in their Discord that they changed naming as the game was going on and advancing. Um, So... What is a follower in your set is like a low health, basic, generic unit. And before, I don't know if they were called, they were probably called hirelings or something like that. But they named adventurer followers because they were all followers you could have in Skyrim. But they're all named characters, so they're all heroes as far as game terms go. Gotcha. And they just didn't have time to change it. they're not actually that, like, yeah. Yes. Yep. That makes sense. And presumably any sets that come out within the future will not have similar problems. Yeah, they've <laughs> figured it out now, so. Yep. Well, very cool. Well, why don't we... I think that's it for our news, unless we've missed anything you guys want to call out. And if not, why don't we pop over and thank all the fine folks that help bring this podcast to you. So this segment is where we like to thank you guys for all the help that you do by help supporting us in many different ways of the show. So I want to start with our Patreon, Patreon's newest members. We have Josh Hale, Zero Lot, and Ido. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon. And remember that you can always join us at patreon.com slash UESP. Uh, there's been a ton of updates there lately. Dave's been really good about every Monday providing an update on the different things that are going on with all of the... Uh, loot crate I, we need a better name for it i keep wanting to call it a loot box and it's not a loot box i like treasure chest that works treasure chest kind of works yeah so we got lots of fun things if you want to see the different things um the coin as well i just like to say like the the way you can guarantee you get one is by signing up on patreon but there will probably be some other ways that you can potentially win one so stay tuned if patreon is something that you aren't able to sign up with for whatever reason there still might be ways that we can hook you up that um and then i want to thank all of our latest twitch subscribers and i can't go over all of your names because we had so many during the our uh september giveaway that it's i just my system just completely broke and i wasn't able to actually mark you all down so thank you everybody who gave away uh or got subscriptions and i also want to thank adana and gerwolf for gifting uh oh and carver i messed that one there and carver for gifting out so many subscriptions during that that was a lot of fun we had a blast and we thank everybody for joining the twitch subs we also want to uh mention that on our discord channel now we have a new supporter channel that anybody who is a Twitch subscriber or Patreon member can join. Before, we just had a Patreon channel, but now we have a full subscriber or supporter channel. So all you guys can go out there, hang out and talk, and get the inside scoop on the different things that are happening with UESP. Uh, But other than that, I just want to remind everybody that the absolute best way you can support us is to sign up for a Twitch account. Or not a Twitch account. A Uh wiki account. Man, words are hard sometimes, eh? No, if you can sign up for a wiki account, go on the wiki, start doing some editing, build out some pages, see if there's some lore that you've missed that or that we've missed that you want to add in there. That is literally the best way to keep the site going. That's our bread and butter of everything at UESP is having that wiki there. So we hope you guys can join us there and help support us that way. But 
why don't we get talking about the different things that we have been up to since we've last seen you because it feels like it's been forever. I see Scorm says, I did give S. Carver Orn a shout out, but I just called him Carver because that's what I call him because we're buddies. Um, so the Scholarly Pursuit section is where we like to talk about the different things that we've been up to in the Elder Scrolls and different things. So why don't I get started with Loss and you can tell us what you have been up to. So in Legends, because of the alternate art East March Crusader, I spent um, the tickets to enter the event and didn't play any rounds just so I would get one copy of the card. And that's about the extent of my Elder Scrolls since last we talked. I've been on a yeah. bit of a hiatus. I've I mean, also that's been fair. I've been binging World of Warcraft, but partly it's because I misunderstood how the leveling was about to change, and I thought oh. I wasn't. Go- I thought I wasn't going to massively outlevel everything. But you definitely are. Yeah, I definitely am. Yeah, I was worried I wouldn't be able to solo the story anymore when my wife wasn't around to play, and yeah. so I wanted to make sure I got as much in as I could. Well, it's going to be the exact same. It's funny, we you weren't around last episode. We were talking about like the different dungeons and stuff in the game. And we spent a good like probably half of the discussion talking about how different MMOs handle like mm-hmm. the idea of dungeons, like yeah. World of Warcraft, Guild Wars, and stuff like that. We're like, Lost said, I don't have a lot to contribute to this conversation, so I'm gonna sit out this week. But in literally every like other line, we were like, I wish Lost was here because he could answer yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. We could have used your help. <laughs> I would have, really I would have been the uh, straight man. You guys were all the Elder Scrolls yeah. Dungeons people, and I would have all the other information. Exactly. Well, See, that's too bad. So next time you don't think that you'll be able to contribute, you will be able to. That's fair. Awesome. How about you, Baratron? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um. Well, uh, quite sadly, we uh, one of my other guilds uh, is Dominion Guard, which is an AD PvP guild, and we found out that our former guild master had died. So we had a week of everybody quite upset, um, putting together a tribute, uh, a shrine in the current guild master's house. And then last Friday we had a, an in-game funeral, which was, uh, it was good. I mean, it. We, I think it did bring some closure, and I'm going to try, try not to start crying on the podcast. Um, and this was followed by Cyrodiil PvP, and I have not done Cyrodiil PvP on this. Um, and I actually had forgotten how much I enjoy the big organised alliance war groups. You know, when you're sitting there on chat and there's there's basically just, just one or two people talking, saying, you know, group one, go here, do this, group two, go there. Um, but then I was really unwell the, the next day with my chronic fatigue. My chronic fatigue was like... Yeah, so you sat there for two hours taking in all this input because PvP is a lot harder to to watch, focus because you're fighting against real people predictable as opposed to uh, NPCs where we know they do this ability, this ability, that ability. You know, real people can do just about anything. Um, and you know, between that, taking in the voice input, I was just I was just dead the whole weekend. <laughs> Never mind. Um, then I have also been taking part in Imperial City. Oh, you City. cut out there. Um, did I? Yeah, you're cutting out a little bit there. 
Oh, well, sorry. Um, I took took part. I haven't I haven't touched anything. I don't know why I would be cutting out. <laughs> um, took part in the Imperial City event. Uh, kind of fun. And I I like the Imperial City. I do. I, I think, love the Imperial I, City. Yeah. The problem with it is there isn't um there isn't really any incentive to do it outside of the events. And the reason for that is that you can't the only incentive you've got is, is to capture the districts for your for your alliance and get get the temporal EP. There isn't like a, Telvar. But you can get Telvar, but there isn't a leaderboard or anything like that. Yeah. You can't become the Emperor be the Emperor, but you know what I mean, the controller of the Imperial City. That's not an option. And so um you know, short of of getting the, the various achievements, there isn't a lot of incentive to go back. Because once you got the achievements, you know, why would you go back? But it's a shame. And I do think it's something that they should they should think about and work on because I think Imperial City could be absolutely great. It was a very good thing that they took it out of because uh, it used to be uh it used to be a paid for DLC and they made it free yeah. for everybody. And it used to be They didn't to be, add it to base game though. That's the one thing to note. It's not a Base, it's not part of base game. It's a free DLC. It's a free DLC, right? You still have to go to the store and buy it. For zero dollars. Is it because you can still buy the collector's edition or something? What if no, because Imperial City came out after that. It's. I think it's just a. They don't have a way to roll DLCs into the base game. Because the last. Because the last time they did that with, was Craig Lorne, and that was at the time of One Tamriel, that they just made it part of One Tamriel with a patch. Craig, Craig Lorne was never a DLC. But I it was think. planned to be, uh, I believe. I don't it was know. originally supposed to be the first. Maybe it was a D- DLC, and I just got Sometimes it. Sometimes the things I learn about the so technology of Elder Scrolls Online. Anyway. Really just any other game. It's always compared to Guild Wars 2, and I'm always baffled at some of the things that happen. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so other things, um, Imperial City, apart from that, we, as in, as in the SP guild on PCNA, we ran Veta Asylum plus one and I did the behind the tank healing. Um, so I don't quite know how to describe it, but basically Veta Asylum plus one, you've got a big mechanical Titan. It's a bit, bit like a dragon, big mechanical dragon. You've got the tank who's standing behind the dragon. Trying to face it away from the group. Wait, <laughs> tank is in the dungeon roll? Yes. Tank is in the dungeon roll, okay. yes. Okay, playing Warcraft, there are actually tanks. There are actually tanks. Mechanical tanks with turrets. Mechanical and... tanks with yeah. turrets. No, no, no. So no, I was no, thinking this is, a tank this is... and a dragon. Like, this sounds awesome. Wait, this is Elder Scrolls. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> no, this is this is tank, the, the, the human player. Role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keeps, keeps the big uh, Daedric Titan, which is a bit like a dragon, pointed towards themselves, away from the group. Then... There's the second tank who's dealing with the additional boss who pops in and out. And uh, you've got one healer who's healing the rest of the group and then one healer who's standing behind the tank learning where not to stand. And what you're doing is you're kiting around these big puddles of lightning because the big puddle of lightning will will drop onto the healer. And... (laughs) A lightning puddle. Big sounds lightning horrifying. Puddle. It is horrifying. A lightning puddle it, does sound horrifying. It drains all of your resources. So if you're not able to 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 either run or roll dodge out of it in time, you end up with like no magic and no stamina. Um, and it was ankles. difficult. It was difficult. It was a lot of fun, and I felt like I learned a lot. We 
actually didn't complete because the instance was starting to bug out. It was really sad. Um, the first time we got to 8%, the second time we got to 4%. And it was a case of the instance was bugging out and people were dying to attacks they couldn't see. It's just, just awful. I hate when that happens. Um, and, you know, we could have tried again, but several people have got sore hands by the end. It's very intense. It's sort of half an hour plus just on that one battle without a, without the chance to to stop. And, and yeah, yeah. people were people sore hands. like, no, no, but we, we can definitely do it. Um, but, yeah, that was great. You know, actually doing new challenging uh, content and feeling like I learned a lot was, was really good. Um, I haven't had any spare time to play on PC sad about that but i am signed up for a trial on sunday that's exciting and that's me and elder scroll stuff well i feel like i've been doing the opposite of lost and i've been doing so much content in the elder scrolls over the past like couple of weeks like so 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 much i've been doing eso i've been doing the imperial city event like crazy and been running it every this is the first time i think i've run a full event and not missed a single day of event tickets hmm. normally for one reason or another oh no that's not true i did miss one day because i was in niagara falls and i couldn't log in but other than that i have been playing every day i've been do having a lot of fun with that uh i started a new warden so i've got a stam warden that i've been leveling he made it to 42 as of this podcast right now so i'm hoping he'll be max level and i can start gearing him up for vet dungeons and trials coming soon because i wanted it i don't have any dps characters this is the <laughs> first i have a tank and two healers at max level and a pvp character so you this don't is have finally, damage dealer i don't have just a straight damage dealer so i've got my stand in that's gonna do that even though it's not like the highest end one it's fun to play so that's all that really matters to me um i went on vacation i took a trip with my family so i kind of fell off the map i built a table that was a lot of fun the table uh, is very impressive he showed us I, the photograph of the, the it's, yeah, it's a big live wood. edge it's made With, by it's made mrs. out of acacia there was wood. mrs pylon there's mrs yeah. pylon and one of the pie lads in the yeah. picture and it was right it was it's really yeah it's impressive my husband yeah, it's really nice table on. it was really hard oh. it's uh it's built out of acacia wood which Story goes, that's the type of wood that was used to build Noah's Ark. So it should be pretty sturdy. No, acacia wood. Well, I guess we're not sure. For, acacia wood is what the uh, Ark of the Covenant was made out of, though. Yes, that as well. But also Noah's Ark as well. Okay. Is it, um, is it local? Because it's, is local it's a local, you? it's a yeah. Mesopotamian wood. Okay, so it's local so, to the Middle East. It's a Middle Eastern wood, yeah. Um, it was, somebody got it, yeah, it was a long story of how I came across it, and I was like, I'm going to build a table out of this, so lots of glue, lots of cutting, lots of sanding. Uh, so that was a ton of fun. Um, I've been doing a lot of um, Imperial City stuff, which has been just reinforcing how bad I am at PvP. Uh, I'm fine as long as nobody comes around, and then as soon as somebody, like, I can do all the PvE elements of Imperial City, and then someone comes around, it's like, flump, flump, dead. Law and Order? Oh, wait. Yeah. Dun, dun. Do, 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 do. Yeah. So anybody who's been watching the stream when I've been doing um stuff like that, that's you can watch just watch me die. Um uh, other than that, I've been doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the Twitch channel, trying to get stuff leveled up there. We should have hopefully some news about that a little bit soon. Been streaming with Avron, we had our giveaway event, and just I've just been doing like so much. I've been playing Blades again, I've been playing Legends again. 
I've got my Morrowind character up. Like, I feel like I've just been spending all of my time in the Elder Scrolls, which has been a lot of fun. It's been a nice little escape for the past couple of weeks. So other than that, I think that's it for me. But I think the moment we've all been waiting for is we finally get to answer the question. <laughs> are Argonians a great race or are they the greatest race? We're going to find out in one second once I fix the title because I just realized it has a typo and I don't want to spell Argonians wrong. There we go. So it's not about Argonons, as I almost had in there. I forgot an I in there. Which actually, Argonons is a pretty sweet name. If I was making a fantasy race now, I would make something called the Argonons. Jason and the Argonauts. It's close to Argonauts. Yeah, it works. We got all the mythical references tonight. But yes, the moment we've all been waiting for, talking about Argonians. I've been excited for this since we decided to start doing some lore podcasts. I know Lost loves his Argonian lore. Mm -hmm. I know Baratron loves Argonian lore. So we're all very, very excited. I've been digging in so much to the different pages of the UESP to find out all the different tidbits we can about Argonians. So Lost, why don't you get us started with who are the Argonians? Let's get a little brief description to start here. All right. The Argonians are a reptilian humanoid race that occupy predominantly the southeastern side of Tamriel in their very swampy land of Black Marsh. Which I realize marsh and swamp aren't technically the same thing, but hey, that's what we have to deal with. In their own language of gel, they're called the Saxleal, which means people of the root. And I'm sure we'll go into the details of it overall. Basically, they live in a place that's very inhospitable, but they have essentially a symbiotic relationship with a type of tree called the Hist. These are a bunch of sentient trees that do things and they play a very vital role in both Argonian society and, to an extent, in Ar Argonian biology. So, Hist and Argonians are almost inseparable, not in the literal sense, but in a pretty meaningful way. They need each other. Yeah, that's kind of the... the when you start talking about Argonian lore, it is impossible to not talk about the Hist as well. Yes. It's just, there is no Argonians without the Hist, so... Um... Baratron, do you want to kind of continue off on that a little bit more about the Argonians? Okay. So well, other races refer to them as lizards. Lizard yeah. folk, which is you know, derogatory. Um, is it derogatory? Because I I feel like it's sometimes used derogatory. Because I, like, I was reading through all the different accounts, and I was like, I saw that, and I was like, sometimes they say lizard folk as derogatory. Sometimes it's just used as a description, because even the hist, when they're, like, in some of the stories, they say, like, they, they saw men in myrrh and thought like we'll make lizard versions of this essentially yeah um no it's, it, it doesn't have to be derogatory but but especially when but you can hear derogatory. spite sometimes they say the lizards are attacking you can, yeah i would say sometimes it is it's definitely said derogatory um they're a similar lifespan to humans and uh, apparently they're the foremost experts in guerrilla warfare throughout tamriel which is yeah. due to the fact that they've you know spent so many centuries defending the borders of of black marsh i mean i don't think there's going to be any battle formations that work i was going to say that imagine like like a phalanx in black marsh where it's just it like, a hey, look, a puddle. <laughs> can you, can <laughs> oh. you imagine um 
the oh what was that formation called the one the tortoise formation that the ancient romans did where they got their shields can you imagine trying to make something like that now you are <laughs> going through your swamp and and some of you are sinking in so your tortoise the scales are <laughs> oops i fell into down. a root worm yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah ain't gonna um, work sorry lost you may have mentioned it and i completely missed it but did you talk about their native tongue of gel is it gel or gel I just said gel. I didn't yeah, look up how really that one was pronounced. Point. I actually don't I know if it's... thought it was gel. I think it's gel, but... It I think could it's very... gel. So gel it's a... sounds like something similar that an Argonian would say. It's a language that a lot of people can't do because they have, like, clicks and other nonverbal things that are all built into how they communicate as well. Yeah, there's, there's clicks and hisses which, which human tongues and elf tongues can't, just can't. So so we have an excuse because we are humans, okay? So we have an excuse if we don't pronounce it all correctly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> we don't have a lizard tongue here. Yeah. Um, other really cool thing about the Argonian kind of physiology is that depending on the tribes that they're in, they'll have different characteristics. Similar to how the Khajiit have their fur stalks, Argonian mm. tribes will have different characteristics depending on what the tribe were. Essentially, as far as I'm aware... Just because the hiss thinks it's cool. Mm-hmm. There's no real rhyme or reason why they're different. So you have the bright folks who have brightly colored scales, uh, kind of like they have red, bright reds, bright blues. You have the Naga curve, which are dark and sometimes kind of an iridescent with red eyes. Um, they're also Naga, which is a subspecies of Argonians that have elongated heads and larger mouths. And, um, and it seems that all of this is just based on what their hiss is, what their local... Yeah what their local history wants yeah Yeah. because i'm sure there's a purpose i mean maybe it's just because they fancied it or maybe it's because there's some goal that the hist has in mind but yeah they can vary a lot there's a few that we i don't we haven't we have not seen them and i'll mention them much later on but lots of variety in the way argonians can turn out Mm -hmm. there's and the thing is it's known to be linked to the hist because argonians will always display the characteristics of the tribe that they were born into so there's a particular tribe called the Vishkleel, which means the ghost people tribe. And for some for some reason, this tribe is not able to have children of their own. They're infertile, impotent, I don't know exactly what. Um, but they steal eggs from other Argonians, hatch them under their own history, and all of the all of the uh, infant Argonians come out the same, with the pale, kind of kind of sickly uh gray white scales of of the rest of the tribe yes. even though genetically they should they should look you you, you know if uh, argonians were like other species you, you'd expect them an egg to to the child born of the egg to look like the parents but it which uh looks like the rest of the tribe without getting terribly off topic i've talked to people before about genetics and elder scrolls and how <laughs> obviously like generally the world works the same way it does in our world but they do have the thing where races tend to take after their mother, at least in human elven pairings. Mm-hmm. So it seems like there might be a slight tendency towards female dominance in genetics. Yeah. And so I've sort of theorized, what if there's not DNA per se, but souls help define what something looks like and is. And so it's some sort of soul merging that creates stuff. Then, since the hist are highly tied to Argonian souls, it would make sense why they would have such a strong mm-hmm. effect on their that would make sense. genetics. As like an alternative to DNA, it's mostly just like 
whatever soul souls are. Yeah. I don't whatever. know. I'm sitting there. Soul I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, this should be my area of expertise, you know, biological chemist and all that. And I'm Because I, I have a friend who's actually written um, for Pokemon. The, the sort of bio, biological, how, how he thinks the biology behind it all works. And I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> oh, it does. Could it? I, but could anyway, I like yeah. anyway, it falls apart real quick. But one thing we haven't we haven't mentioned is that some Argonians are able to grow horns or feathers. Yeah. So they have, the, you know, some some characteristics even of of uh, you know dinosaurs. And then we also like in different variants of the game. Like the nice thing with the hit hist being the hist is it can explain away some game mechanic things too. Like when mm-hmm. in Morrowind we have the uh, digigrade, digigrade, digigrade. Digit grade. Digit grade. Digit grade. versus an ESO and I think Oblivion and on. They're Every all other one. Flat Planter grade. Yeah. Planter grade. Okay, it. so digit grade is when is when an animal walks on its toes. toes. And like planter grade is like a human, a human or a barefoot. They walk yeah. on the heel walkers. Yeah. Heel walkers. Yeah, yeah, literally. So, and like, plantar it's nice fasciitis you just, is a. You can explain that game disease. mechanic away with like. Yeah, the Hiss decided that during that time they needed to be this way. Yep. yep. Story over. We're done. Got him. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the native province of the Argonians is Black Marsh, uh, sometimes referred to as Argonia. I have seen references to, but I think... Do, and the I didn't find, actually, their native name for it. I know it's somewhere, but... I don't remember oh. either. Oops. I notice yeah i remember hearing about it but anyways it's kind of in the southeastern tamriel it borders on cyrodiil and morrowind which you find out more about morrowind culture a little bit later and how the argonians and uh dunmer get along um it's very swampy and jungle as we talked about lots of poisonous plants and deadly animals so so i I think was was this lost was this your description yes it's wet australia Which is true, because everything in Mark, like in the Merkmire DLC is trying to kill you. It's like, hey, a plant. Oh, no, plant's trying to kill you. Oh, hey, look, a little fuzzy. No, that thing's trying to kill you, too. Oh, a lizard. No, that lizard's trying to kill you. Yeah, it's not great for them. Yeah. Not great at all. Um, but one of the things that's why a lot of it is oh. such a mystery is because it's in a, very inhospitable because of the marshes and the swamps to other races, so... Most of them, most people go there, they can't get past kind of the, the coastal towns because it's just too too swampy and remote. And like an adventurer could maybe make it through and do some stuff, but the issue is that there's no, there's no real chance of success of long-term living. Yeah. Like settling anywhere isn't worth it, and thus expeditions inside aren't worth it. You are going to say something, Baratron? I yes. was going to say something because I remembered why there... Uh, why there isn't a a, uh, a name for for right? That's what I'm remembering. They don't have a name. Go it's on. just the swamp. It's essentially it's just um, yes. Now hang on, let me just. I'm trying to find it exactly. But there's, there's an exact quote about it, and it's yeah. I think it's from a Loremaster archive, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes, it's it's the idea that they don't. Uh, they ba- essentially just don't believe in borders. Mm. It's just home. Yes. But I think the way they refer to it. Hmm. Yes. I knew I was remembering something about the name of Black Marsh itself is that they don't actually recognize a like governing barrier of sure. this part is ours to this part is not. It's just wherever your hist is is home, essentially. Yeah, well Baratron looks that up. Um in Black Marsh there was a human 
Tothrigi and a fox-like creature called a Lil Lil Moth. What's Lil Moth? Lil I believe. I prefer Lil Mothet. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like, like a rapper. Sebastian. It's like Lil Sebastian. It's Lil Mothet. Uh, Lil Mothet. Uh, but they all went extinct by the second era. Um, there's a race called the Orma that existed in the first era, but it was like a human but eyeless. <laughs> Um, that we only saw mentioned in the 2920, the last year of the first era book. Yeah, so so they were blind because they literally didn't have eyes, which is a bit strange. Cave people? I don't know. I guess so. I don't remember I don't that one. Know. Literally a bit strange. That's a, that's a long book. It's very worth reading, though. It's yes. quite cool. Yeah. We'll have a link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to pop in and see. Um, and then the regions kind of include Shadowfen, Murkmire, and Thornmarsh are kind of like their big areas and then there's like cities uh some of the cities are archon black rose gideon hellstrom lil moth uh lil, lil moth now i'm gonna hear it that way yeah forever you're never gonna hear lil moth, oh, here we lil go. moth. i got the quote hold Good. on soul rest stormhold and thorn go on okay so this is from uh written by lawrence schick who was the master at the time and a um somebody asked what's the name of your province in gel it's known as Argonia or Black Marsh, but these are alien names. Okay, so this is uh, in, and Lawrence Schick writes uh, in uh, as a particular character. So this is the character Gila. And he's saying, this, that, that, that is not as easy to answer as you might think, Maximus. First of all, province is an imperial concept that most Argonians struggle with. Though I think I finally got it. I mean, why use a single name to describe so much varied difference? An Argonian's idea of their home place rarely extends beyond their hist's farthest root hairs. I did hear a G. Russell once used the wide swamp gesture, along with a term. Now, I I actually wrote in the notes that I did not want to try and pronounce this word. Too late. Uh, yes, yes. Along with the term Kronker Thath Thatith. Roughly everything sure. egg. So it's it's an everything egg. And that may be as close to a province name as you're going to get in jail. So that's why it's Argonia or Black Marsh. It's because the Argonians just don't have a name for it. I was looking Language. up where you wrote that note down because I... Uh, where is it at? It's a THT... Actually, that's a slightly different word, actually. Oh, okay. That's... that's no, I'm not going to try and pronounce it. It's got two. It's just too sibilant. So I, yeah. I found it spoken in the game. I looked up a YouTube video oh, you to figure it out. It's Thethal. Thethal. It's it's Thethal, but just with a little more bite. So it's like Cecil with a with a list. With a real bad list. Thethal. 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 Makes sense. Okay. Um, one of the other things, kind of, we're jumping around a little bit. Excellent. Though, so sorry, guys, that are actually trying to follow what we're talking about. Um, for Lost and Baratron, but. You notice Sorry. when they talk about the gesture of the, the wide swamp. Uh, one of the really interesting things with the way Argonians talk, which they talk, they don't speak like the Khajiit where it sounds like where they say like, oh, this one does this, this one. They don't take in third person or anything. They're actually, their common is very good. But what they will do is they'll describe their body language <laughs> at the beginning of a conversation. So that, I, which I guess is good. Because then there's not really, like, they don't have to worry about someone, like, misconstruing what they're doing with if their hands. If you think about it, they have to stop and think through what they're doing and why and then decide to translate it for people. Yeah. Because Argonians they do it know that. Yeah. yeah, Argonians know that humans 
and myrrh and even other Argonians who have grown up away from the Hist aren't able to interpret their body language. So they, they say things like, I extend the floor of welcome or um, it, it's it's become a bit of a meme, but I erect the spine of something. I erect well, the, the spine battle, of warning. I erect the spine, I erect the spine of, yeah, of caution. Um, it, does, it does sound quite amusing, but yeah. And I, th- I think that's really interesting as a, as a, as a racial difference I don't... thing they do. I didn't even think about it. Like, for some reason, it's only clicking right now. Like, I erect the spine of disappointment. That just sounds like, oh, look, it's a funny phrase that they say. No, that means that there is a way that they can move the spines along mm-hmm. their neck yeah. that other Argonians know he's disappointed. Yep. Yeah. And there have been a lot of, like, very specific emotional states that they've talked about doing that for. And all of them are perfectly communicated to another Argonian. That's super cool. I never yeah. processed it that deeply. And the fact that, too, is like they need to be that more kind of, I guess, emotionally aware that before they're talking to you, they would do something with their body language and then be able to tell you, like, I'm disappointed. Here's why I'm disappointed. Like, that's that's like when you're talking from like an empathetical level, that's extremely difficult. Yes. Like, I like half the time you're like, I'm mad and I don't know why I'm mad. Like, so, yeah. And it's because of the connection that they have to that to their history, yeah. Which we're going to talk about in a bit. It's that, that's the biggest problem with these lore episodes is it's it's ordering the information. Oh, there's so much because to you know we have we have to talk about this, which means we have to talk about that. But then that requires talking about this. Oh, it's anyway, fun. it's fine. So okay, well, why don't we pop back a little bit? Well, if we and... want to order things, this is a good segue. Let's go yeah. back to the beginning. Let's go to the very beginning. Oh, you stole my segue, loss. I was so excited for it. Sorry. Yes. Well, your punishment is now you have to explain where the Argonians came from. So, <laughs> really, I don't know if there's too many competing theories on it. Um, well, basically, it's just because the Argonians are so tied to the Hist, and the Hist determines so much about how they form, how they live, how they shape. Really, they all just seem to be different variations on the Hist molded lizards to be these people and then form this relationship with them. So the ones written down here is that there's an allegory they have called the parable of becoming that the Hist are this great source of wisdom, which, I mean, that's true. That's not really parable. Also, the Hist are trees, so they can't go anywhere. They can't. They're they're just big trees. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that they can't do stuff, they needed stuff to do stuff for them. And so they raised up lizards to have these humanoid forms because they saw, hey, there are these people, these elves, they get around pretty well doing their thing. Let's make something like that. And so they made the lizards to be like that. And that became their extension, their the ha- Their hands, essentially, yeah. yeah. And then some scholars say that the Hellstrom ancestor lizard was, hey, it's an ancestor that, or it's a shared ancestor with the Argonians. In the novels, in the near the very, excuse me, near the very end of Lord of Souls, we get this sort of vision from Mir Glim, one of the Argonian characters. He's having a vision of basically just being a lizard and having nothing but very basic instincts and just going through life of scared, hungry, light, dark, danger safe those sort of very basic things and then the roots came is what it says and the roots made something more it granted a deeper understanding it was wider it was scarier and then ultimately talks about him just being away from the roots and now he's in emptiness he doesn't have his siblings anymore either 
all of that definitely has a metaphorical side, but it also could be a reflection on what actually happened, that there really were just lizards that the Hist found and transformed. And that's the only theory I really hear presented. So that's what we have to go with. Yeah, I don't think there's really any other... I guess there's there's more variants of where the Hist actually came from. There's a little bit more... Yeah. Um, I always pronounce it wrong, but essentially that the Hist was like a bystander during creation it was there and it just kind of was overlooked as part of the different when men and myrrh were being created so when i was looking this up um, some tribes do have additional creation myths like yeah. the adzi costlil tribe believe that the world was created in a struggle between the spirit atak root and kota who had been born from nothing and i advise you read the law book children of Rather than attempting, rather than us attempting to present mythology, yeah, Children yeah. of the Root, yeah, Children that's of the a Root, super yeah. cool book, and it ties in decently well to the other races' mythoses in the way that it doesn't quite fit, but you see some of the same skeleton underneath it, which is my favorite part about Elder Scrolls stuff: different perspectives on the same concepts. Yeah, uh, this is also one of the. I feel like. Every time I stream, somebody pops into stream with this question, uh, basically saying, like, why do Argonians have breasts? And this is the reason for it. It's because the Hist saw men and myrrh and decided to shape the lizards after them. And when they saw the female men and myrrh, they're like, okay, we'll make them look like that. Because then yeah. it kind of makes sense. It's, there's no real biology. Though I've heard some rumors that it's they're used with like to carry Hist sap and things like that, which I don't think has been... I don't that's know. In any way. That's not based on law. That's that's fan a fan theory. It's a good that's a fan, fan theory. theory. It's a decent fan theory. I like but. it, but but yeah, the 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 concept that actually they're just shaped that way because because they are. The yeah. the vision that Mir Glim had also sort of mentioned the same thing. The roots came, and then the roots saw other things and decided to shape the lizards like that. Yeah. So it's every like, oh, every version basically says the same thing. Yeah. Um. So then. Aside from how interesting I find the Hist, I find the actual just like society whenever we have interactions with large groups, like Merkmeyer was a gold mine for this, of like how the belief system of the Argonians is based. It's just such a very interesting concept. Um, one of the really cool things they talk about in Merkmeyer is how there's these like ruins of these big ziggurats and they're like, well, why don't the Argonians use these anymore? Like these were, they had these great buildings, these great things. And that's essentially, they just came to a point where they believed that that was bad because building these giant stone buildings that would last forever was against like an agent of change. And since they, they connect so deeply with Sithis that they're like creation and destruction are one and the same like you need to destroy to create so they they're like why are we building these big things to never be destroyed when we need to be able to be constantly moving so the ancient argonians viewed sithis only as a destroyer yes feared its destructive force and saw only the void and so as a representation of this they built these vast stone pyramids which are called zanmits uh, to withstand the destruction then an event happened called Duskfall, which was the, the slow decline of the old Saxleal civilization, and we don't know exactly what it was. Um, and this caused Argonian culture to go through a paradigm shift. So having previously 
viewed Sithis you know, only as a destructive force living in fear of it, they decided to recognise Sithis as not only as destruction, but also change. And the there's a quote here that um, Sithis tears down the old so that the new can grow. So we learn to flow with the river instead of struggle to alter its course. Yeah, and that's... I'm sorry. Just... I was going to say, I just think that's a really, like, a kind of a beautiful way of looking at all of it. Uh, that you don't see in a lot of the other cultures. Like, the the fact that they, they kind of joke, like, the well, you had these beautiful structures, now you live in a mud hut. They're like, well, a mud hut's all I need now. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need this pyramid to last forever. Change is good. Change is part of life. Yeah. So they, they build structures that are intended to be temporary. Yeah. On the basis that... Um, and it's it's called shunate, pain caused by holding on too tightly to that which has come to pass, or the fear of death and forgetting. And they, you know, the point is, well, you know, this this house won't endure the century. It's what I need now. It's, it's yeah, uh, very interesting. So in a large way, I mean, they're a tribal society. There's lots of different tribes mm-hmm. with their own personalities, their own differences, but. Black Marsh as a whole just doesn't care so much about history. One, it's a place that's not conducive to history sticking around because even the stone Zanmirs are oftentimes sinking into the swamp. But they just aren't interested in that. They just keep living life, whatever twists and turns comes. That's sort of their philosophy. There's a really cool thing in the Tribes of Merkmire books that talks a little bit about how the different tribes interact with each other. So they mentioned that earlier in the day, there was some group of like violent raiders that had come in and had a clash and one of the raiders was killed. But then later that same afternoon, the two different tribes were playing some sport together. Like they were having a friendly game of, yeah. I don't remember what it's called. I think it's tail ball or something like that, but they were playing a sport together. And the person who was some human, I think seeing this says, how can this be? And they talk about how there's an enforced forgetfulness that there's no reason to hang on to, animosities there's no reason to hang on to these problems because it's just the way that life works and you know whenever an argonian dies they come back as an argonian maybe in some other tribe it doesn't do to hate the other argonians because that means you're really just hating yourself so this focus on yeah this is what life is it is what it is and we accept it and we move with it just weird but cool yeah yeah it's 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 counter to so much else where like you look at like the Imperials where they have the dynasty, they have dynasty after dynasty after dynasty where it's like, that's history is all that matters. Also, I don't know about anybody else, but I always get confused. And I feel like this is intentional is when here, talking about this, talking about history and history. Uh-uh. Every uh-uh. time I guess be like, if he say hit no history and the history, no, the history but every time it messes with my head. <laughs> the history knows the history. Yeah. So then we get on to religion of the Argonians, which is, I would say, one of the, the least expansive. It's, it's, again, it's one of those things where it all just ties back to the hist with, with Argonians. So, Lost, you kind of want to talk. They don't really have a religion. There's no... Yeah. Kind of, there's no formal structure of rules and dogma and things like that. They just have the hist. But they do when have, I, I guess, when I first read that sentence, I thought that's not right. But then I thought about it more, like, well, I guess you kind of are right. They have spirituality. Yeah, that's part of it. But an actual set religion with like doctrine and 
like dogma and like things that go with the actual religiousness. Right. So like they don't have to worship the Hist. They are intimately connected and part of it. Yeah. So they're not asking the Hist for favors in the typical everyday sort of sense. They are just living life in a way that benefits the Hist and the Hist benefits them. And it's just sort of cyclical and somewhat symbiotic. Yeah, because even if you look at things like what happened during the Oblivion Crisis, where the Hist was like, oh, this is bad. There's a bunch of Daedra. It called as many Argonians home as it could to help defend it. So it wasn't just like a, oh, we need to ask, we need to ask the Hist to protect us. The Hist was like, no, no, guys, come save us. And then they transformed the Argonians into these like Argonian behemoths that could fight the Daedra back and just apparently stomped on them. There's a quote here that seems to be from Hatamine, a character in ESO, and it's probably more poetic than actually giving an explanation for anything. But she says, you know, we do not pray to the Hist because our thoughts and desires flow together. The Hist is the river and we Saxlil are the standing waves where the river flows over the rocks. This is clear, is it not? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, maybe. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. As uh, uh, Baratron was mentioning before, they also sort of respect Sithis. So Sithis plays a role that's not villainous in their society because they just believe in change. And really, Sithis is sort of the primordial concept of change. So they're sort of on board with it. Modern not just, Argonians. Yeah, modern Argo Argonians are on board with it. They think life is... A lot of stuff is temporary. It's always shifting. Resisting that is a problem. So they have a veneration for the concept of Sithis, not Sithis as a person. Yeah. And Baratron, do you want to talk a little bit about the Dreamwalkers? Because I find that right. really interesting, too. Yeah, so Argonians have Dreamwalkers. Um, now, in the East March Zone story, there's a character called Stormy Eyes who talks about entering the Dream Stride, which is like the idea of the monks of Vermina in Skyrim. Um, and this is expanded on a lot in Merkmar, where it's named the Dreamwalker. So Dreamwalkers can go go into this the Dream Wallow. It's between the lines of vision and reality. It can manifest objects into the physical world. It can be used for anything. And to enter this state, uh, they need a period of isolation and uh, potent mind-altering herbs. <laughs> And different tribes have different tr traditions for doing this. So, like, the Brightthroat tribe enter the Dream Wallow by ingesting Deep Sap, which is his sap collected from Deep Within. Whereas the Nagaka inhale Burning Star Blossoms, which is a type of flower. So, so, so you know, every again, everything is tribal. Um, each tribe has its own traditions, its own rituals. I'm trying to remember which tribe it was that had the, the bells in the Merkmeyer story. Oh, the bells. Uh, that was the bells are yeah. bright throat. Bright throat. The, the bright throat so, village. The hiss speaks through chime music. That's there what it go. was. Yeah, it was the bright throats. Yeah, I found that really interesting too. Like the that whole quest well, line is just amazing. Well, we're getting but into the connection. We're going to gonna get into it. So it's the it's very next section in the document. Well, then why don't Bertram? Why don't you get us started? So well, yeah, why don't I get so, started? Okay. You can't so, really talk about it without talking about their connection no. to the Hist. So every Argonian in a tribe is linked with that tribe's history. And the some, some of the, you know, many of the major Argonian tribal positions are related to the Hist. So there are tree minders who tend to the history and seek its wisdom. And they can feel if something is wrong with their tree, such as it being attacked by beetles. And 
if the tree senses an issue with members of the tribe, then the tree minder feels it and must interpret the hiss well. I, also have, I just have to interrupt there. I think it's so funny that there's like incredibly powerful, like almost mythological creation of the hiss trees have like brought and beetles to worry about. Like that's the things that they have problems with. Like there's like this ancient race of sentient trees that literally took lizards and created them into a sentient form capable of masterful feats and stuff like that. But then there's beetles in the tree, and that's not good. Well, that's why they needed the Argonians. <laughs> I know. It's just so funny to think the about. They just like, needed the Argonians to kill the beetles. Exactly. It's so funny oh. to think about this, like, crazy powerful creature that's like, ah, but, like, uh, I don't know, there's some, like, silkworms in my branches, and it's tripping me out, guys. The great Deku tree had choo-choos on his face, so same thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, some of the other... Uh, tribal positions sap speakers are direct intermediaries with the hist and they spend days or weeks at a time among the roots or can and canopy of the hist ingesting sap eating the otherwise forbidden fruit of the tree and using many hours of the day to indulge in solitary contemplation and they emerge from the sol their solitude with the knowledge that they've acquired from the hist during these long bouts of study there are root heralds uh, who work to protect their tribe's interests while some tribesmen hunt for Wosu, Root Herald hunts for information, for relationships. And grave singers care for the bodies of the fallen and deal with death. They pin corpses to the... To <laughs> Sorry, I was typing this. I've written some absolute rubbish here. They pin the corpse <laughs> to the ground the with a zulvat, or grave stake. And this is so that the corpse doesn't rise as an undead dead goblet, because in Merkmai this is... Sorry, that's the grave stakers. That's the graves. Well, no, they're, they're called grave singers. I thought grave singer. The grave. There was grave stakers and grave singers. I thought were two different. Uh oh, don't think uh -oh. so. I think the grave singers. Let me look it up quick. No, no, no. Because the grave singers, the grave stake is an item. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, I thought it was grave yeah, stakers yeah, yeah. were the ones. No, that no, no. The grave stake the grave is an okay, item. Yeah. No, it's like a carved wooden, very, very tall carved wooden stake which has the story of the deceased uh, carved upon it. And the grave singer is yes. tasked with reading their tribe stakes. And when someone dies, they sing a final song for that person. So, oh, that guardians are people, aren't they? It's not you. Yeah. Uh, so and one of the ways that they also connect with the hist is by licking the hist sap, which enables them to communicate, I guess, Further with the hiss. So, from what I understand, is they they seem to always have a connection with the hiss. Like there's no real way to sever that connection. I think they've talked about some time. That I believe I remember something at one point where they. That's talked about, the mnemic egg. We'll come to that. That's where. Okay, they talk about that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But they're always connected with the hiss. But they when they lick actual hiss sap, they, it's when they get a real deep. I guess, communication, and it has almost like hallucinogenic properties for non-Argonians, but it brings them to closer connection. I guess that'd be kind of analogous to prayer, considering in like the other cultures where they pray to the gods and stuff like that. They You eat the sap or moon sugar for Khajiit is kind of another similar entity um, where they actually just consume, I guess, the sap from a history. 
Uh, even apparently large quantities of hyssop isn't safe for an Argonian, though, and they'll have sap poisoning, including gold tongue, which will permanently change the mouth pigmentation to a golden hue. Uh, they'll have unbidden hallucinations and bark scale, which their scales start to thicken and darken on top, which is something that can happen, we find out, in the Tribes of Merkmire book as well. Uh, so I found that interesting that they, they're always connected, but then if they want like that real good connection, they drink sap. Well, it's if there's a specific um, problem, issue, if they need to seek the wisdom like, of the tree to, yeah. deal, to deal with something. Now, his sap uh, has strong hallucinogenic properties, and it is basically poisonous for non-Argonians. Yeah. But it is an even safe for Argonians in, in large quantities. Yeah, so the sap speakers get, get poisoned. It's too much of a good thing, I guess. I don't know. So histories communicate in various ways through visions. Um, it's, it's, it's generally without words. So visions or, or, or as we said, the chime music. Yeah, what um, I imagined it from the when they consume hyssop, though, is more of like a... They always have that, like, a feeling. Like, I guess, kind of like how you have your conscience and how you have that, like, kind of voice in the back of your head. That's kind of the hiss normal communication with them. But when they need a direct, definitive answer to something... The hyssop gives them that, like, straight up, like, do this. This is what needs to happen next. Uh, if the history becomes diseased, then it will make its tribe insane. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. This is part of the, this is the story of the dungeon ruins of Mazatun. Zitzat tribe. Oh, hang on. Zitzat. Yes, the Zitzat tribe. Uh... All go insane because because their tree is diseased. Yeah, they need some better fertilizer or something on those histories too. I guess they weren't doing a good job of protecting their history too. If it becomes diseased, they weren't really being taken care of. But um, okay, so yeah, now lost. Do you want to talk about what happens with Argonians that aren't born at a history? We see an example. I think a couple of examples of that. They don't have that connection. They grow up without it, which means they don't learn all of the cues and interconnectivity that other Argonians learn. So they basically can't communicate the same way. They can't do the nonverbal stuff that Argonians instinctively do. They're referred to as Lukiul, L-U-K-I-U-L. And other Argonians look at him as strange because really the way they talk to him, it's like talking to someone with a little bit of a disability of some sort. They don't, they're not right to other Argonians. And you meet an example, Jarit. He was born in Vardenfell, and he grew up there. And eventually, he just sort of felt this emptiness, and he came down to Black Marsh. And you meet him in Shadowfen, and you help out with the stuff going on in order to get him connected. He wants to feel that connection. He wants to know what it's about. He's felt kind of empty, and you help him make that connection, which is pretty cool. And then this person I haven't met, so I think Baratron wrote in, but... A an Argonian named Cassandra talks a little bit about not having the connection that other Argonians have. And yeah, we know that Cassandra grew up is basically raised as an imperial. Yeah, she was born, which, born in Cyrodiil. We won't we won't go too much in in case people haven't played Merkmire yet. Um, but we learn lots about Cassandra in the Merkmire story. So she doesn't f hear or feel anything when she's next to a history because she's not bonded to it yeah there's the one there, quote i believe i think it's cassandra's quote uh was the they say like 
they don't you mean we you're an argonian too they say yes well that's just it i can't hear the hiss and respond with what do you mean it says when i place my hand on the hiss spark or rest in the shallow of its bows i hear nothing no whispers no faint smells or soothing tones just silence deafening silence which is an interesting concept like when you talk about how the argonians are so interconnected with the hiss but there still are argonians that don't have that mm. uh, is Typically, because they've been born outside of uh, yeah. uh, Black Marsh. Sorry. A throwback detail I didn't think to mention before: the hist are also said to be all interconnected. Like yeah. each hist is its own thing, but generally they also all communicate with one another. You might consider it a hive mind. I don't know if it matches the criteria or not. Basically, all hist are supposed to be interconnected to some degree, and then Argonians are interconnected with them and. Basically just means it's this one gigantic thing across the entire region. It's a mesh of... network. Yes. <laughs> yes. So this, this comes on to the idea of the mnemic egg, uh, which is if you kill a, a history, you form this, this massive, uh, mortal-sized egg, which contains the wisdom and memories of the hist and its Argonians. Uh, and so because of this, because it's got the wisdom and because it, it's basically the remains of that history, it can be used as a gateway into the collective consciousness of all the histories, which means in the wrong hand, you could use this mnemic egg to sever the Argonian connection to the hist. And this is part of the main story. Kindershan, but basically part of the Ebon Heart Pact main story. Shadowfen. And... I think they make it pretty clear that the Nemec egg, because of the way that the Gorgonians use language, it really just means that it's a hissed seed, more or less. Mm -hmm. Basically, a hist dies yeah. and it turns back into a seed. I don't know if that seed then turns into a hist again later, if everything goes right or not. But I like that egg and seed are kind of used interchangeably in their culture, which is sort of neat. Um, so, wow, we're covering a whole lot. Covered now, a lot, yeah. I'm, now I'm starting to worry that we're starting to just jump around. So the hist we talked about a lot. That's a really important mm -hmm. point that they're highly interconnected. You can't talk about the Argonians without talking about the hist. We sort of talked about their history, and really, there's not so much to talk about in history. Basically, there was a time period where they didn't like change, so they made massive stone structures. Duskfall, whatever that is, happened. All of that essentially faded away, and now they are creatures of the temporary creatures of just living in the moment let life flow and then besides individual story bits there's not any like major upheaval for black marsh that i can think of no um until the oblivion crisis though there is one detail we have to talk about which i mean sucks but a very prominent feature of argonians in elder scrolls is that they've been enslaved by the dunmer yeah and you see that yeah vermin jerky predicted it throughout dunmer right as i was about to say it so the dunmer at least back when black Mar or sorry when morrowind wasn't real wrecked they did tons of raids and really the dunmer will enslave anyone but they had a neighbor race that they could do it in they would do lots of raids into black marsh capture and enslave argonians and then bring them back and yeah use them as slaves them work, yeah and that's sort of the source of a lot of fandom Animosity. jokes as well too a lot of people just always treat argonians as farm tools because hey in everyone's favorite game morrowind that's almost the only argonians you met people that literally were just being used to farm they were and stuff. slaves or had recently been 
slaves. There's yes. kind of a lot of the arguments you made in the game, yeah. Which is... It's sad from a point of, like, it's such an in- interesting culture that it's, like, kind of a shame that it gets reduced down to that kind of just, like, race war between the Dunmer and the Argonians. Um, I think it's kind of a... I, but it's also, it is an interest. It is an interesting story in itself that the 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 Argonian people were taken as slaves, and that's a big part of their culture as well. That they're like, eventually later on, when Morrowind faces its own disasters, they kind of rebel back and say, "Well, we're going to take more land from Morrowind," um, which it seems like the Hist is on board with throughout those stories. We hear about them raiding in and pushing further into all of the mainland Morrowind, but not as much in the... I don't believe they get to Vardenfell, if I remember correctly, but they do sack Mournhold, and we do know that... They do a lot. Oh, no, they are uh, in the novel. They get to Vivek, or where Vivek was. I think that they can, there can be raiding parties even in Vardenfell. Yes. Yeah, I think that's now what that I'm reading says. it, the Bay of... Oh, what's it called? After, Scalding Bay? The Scalding Bay is it's ambiguous of whether it is under the control of Dunmer or Argonians. Yep. If I'm remembering correctly. So yeah, they did get as far as So, far so I guess let's cover that really quick. So the Oblivion Crisis, obviously the story of Oblivion. Um, gates open up everywhere. All of Tamriel's having a real hard time with a Daedric invasion. And Argonians, I think, are the only group that completely flipped the script. So the Hist sent out a call, essentially. They recalled some Argonians. Not everyone answered, but they recalled people to Black Marsh. They got them ready, and then they all out attacked when the gates opened. So it said that the Daedra shut the gates in Black Marsh <laughs> to stop the Argonians from getting in. Yeah, which I love. Like, and they, yeah, they changed the form. Like, that's where we see the Argonian behemoth. Like, they, they altered the like physicality of Argonians um, even more. And they're like, oh, we'll just make them complete, complete badasses that are just Daedra killing machines. Yeah. Which I love. I don't remember where it came from, but somebody joked about young Daedra, which isn't really a concept, having horror stories of roving bands of Argonian murderers in the Deadlands that are roaming around in oblivion, killing more Daedra still. I love it. I love that idea so much. So anyway, that's that's one of the best details. If you can just name one thing you like about Argonians, that is always the coolest detail to throw out. Yeah, they invaded Oblivion and made them stop. <laughs> yeah. Should we start going through the the various attributes? Of yeah. Them? So let's talk start about what they the like the physicality of them. Um, oh, I was I was gonna finish with a. Oh. The Go rest ahead, of their then. history that we know of, it's real sparse. Their history is pretty sparse for what we talk about because they don't care about history. But after the Oblivion Crisis, then they invaded Morrowind and killed tons of people and pushed them really far back and took a lot of territory. And now a very anti-outsider group called the Anzalil has taken over and they sort of rule Morrowind. I don't know if it's a unified like nation, but it's a faction that has a lot of power throughout. They don't like outsiders. They want things to work well here. The Anzalil are also the reason the Umbriel crisis happens. So a corrupt hist in Lilmoth with the Anzalil working with them summoned Umbriel to Tamriel and then it just laid a path of death and destruction across. The 
hissed there also all of the imperialized argonians that lived in lilmoth it made them just stand still and not fight back when this wave of death essentially was coming it intentionally sacrificed them and had them be killed by umbriel this hist had cut itself off from all of the other hist of black marsh like it had gone silent it wasn't talking to any others and the argonians working with it wanted it that way but that's really the biggest event in recent uh black marsh history other than that i don't think we have any details no yeah because again as we've mentioned like there's not too many incursions into argonia by anybody who would care to create break down a history of it and the argonians don't care about history so there's just not that many details about what's going on there yep yep so baratron why don't you go over some of the physicalities of argonians and what we've kind of seen in the games about them okay so they're very capable swimmers um able to breathe underwater through small small gills behind their ears they are resistant to poisons um and we've, we've frequently seen uh poison resistance as a racial bonus in the games uh there's a story in dark water crossing some of you remember from skyrim in that this is in Elder Scrolls Online. There's a quest called Bath Time, and some people, lords, think that they can use an organian uh, substance called Daryl to put it in their bath water and they die. Because what Daryl does, it allows Argonians to see the layers of light and sound behind the world. But smooth skins, very dangerous. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're really resistant to uh, disease. We see that as in part of the games as well. They're resistant to disease. And the quote, I think, that came from the Warmasters archives said, The mild illness we call the half-swim sniffles passed out of our marshes into the lands of the dry skins who called it the Knotten Flu uh, <laughs> and did not find it mild at all. Oh, no. Your people, the furred ones who live in our West, were struck particularly hard. And so if you know anything about... Pylon's laughing! What's thousands that? thousands yeah. of Khajiit died and pylons laughing well because it's so funny everyone like, the, like like everyone it wasn't just Khajiit it was every other race was just <laughs> decimated by the Kanatan flu um if I I don't know if I'm not yeah enough, and it not barely enough. affected our going and their guardians called it the half swim sniffles <laughs> <laughs> so Argonians push back Daedric invasions just like laugh off the Kanatan flu as the sniffles they're um, badass. That's why Argonians are cool because they're, they're badass. They're so cool. They really are. Argonians, by far the best. Continuing. Love Argonians. Um, one of the other things I found really, really interesting, and we talked about it with our uh, conversation with Tori about this, is Argonians can change gender as desired, potentially multiple times in their life, and they go through a ceremony with the history, and they basically ask to say, like, hey, this form, essentially, it isn't working for me change me around and even in the original Morrowind uh kind of like the player's guide it talks about like an Argonian being in its female state or female phase or its male phase so it's they can potentially move as they see fit which I found was a really interesting uh thing kind of just about the hist's power too like it's not even just like a on birth they can change attributes of the Argonians to fit whatever they need them to or like kind of like a slow evolution they can literally through ceremony say like okay we'll just change these things to better fit you um one of the quotes uh from that was the hist in all its endless gifts allows us to change many aspects of ourselves our gender is but one 
I highly recommend such a change, should one ever get the chance. And that's from the Frog Potent. Frog totem turnaround quest. I like this that they, you know, that after the after the ceremony, they're greeted by all, and a great celebration will follow. Someone beloved has left us, and someone beloved has arrived. Yeah, it's I'm, like a, really it's like a new like person. It's kind of yeah, it's yeah, kind of a beautiful thing. Um, they lay eggs so they don't give birth to live young. But is that a thing we're hundred percent on? So we, there's definitely eggs. There's definitely there's eggs, no eggs, doubt. And there's no live babies. In there's the definitely game that we eggs, see. there's no life babies, and Argonian bonding rituals bind together those who have chosen to lay an egg together. So, pretty certain there's no life babies, although I don't think it's been actually... Okay, so hasn't I been feel 100%. like I've heard of Argonians being born before. Not just hatched, but born. And I know that Argonians can be very different depending on his stuff, so and they I can can't also- remember... They're also like very loose with terminology on stuff, whereas they may say lays yeah. an egg could also mean born. There's fair. also one case that I know of, but it's from the Shivering Isles, where an Argonian mated with a human and had a child. And I would assume live birth in that case if that was a thing. But I don't know. It was in the Shivering Isles. So I know oftentimes they say hatched. I feel like a few times mentioned birthed. I don't know if if this thing there are definitely lots of argonian eggs whether live birthing is a thing that can happen in some cases for some reason hist knows mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and and when in doubt the answer is ah oh, whatever the hist yeah. yeah yeah so the bonding rituals are not exactly a wedding because while there's always respect uh, romantic feelings are not necessary and partners are chosen based on an emotional connection or physical attraction and or in each case, and or for political reasons. And in some tribes, it's the males who initiate the bonding relationships, and other tribes, the females. Each tribe has its own traditions, but in general, tree minder performs the ceremony before the hist. Bonded pair are blessed with good health and vibrant fertility, and then there is bonding. And we're not going to go into that because it's a family podcast. <laughs> And we don't. I don't think we actually really know. I don't think we actually. I don't think really we do know. either. Like no, how. Uh, uh, Argonian is fertilized or anything like that. Nope. Um, we know so that anyway, eggs are laid and transferred. Eggs are laid. Yeah. They're transferred to an uxith. Which Wait, is so we have nest. more eggs. We know eggs are laid. Mm-hmm. Yes, we, yes, we definitely. We don't know that there aren't other Exclusively, options. yes. Yeah. But the eggs are flipping huge. So I don't big. know how an Argonian <laughs> lays an egg. Like, if, if you're familiar, right, with, with, my, with my toy Snorlax <laughs> that's next to me, right, I've got a toy Snorlax next to me that's about two feet tall. That seems like about the size that the eggs are relative to the Argonians. Argonians are like out, you know, but five, what if five, the six eggs feet, you know, also size. grow after they're that laid? That is the only conclusion I can come to. <laughs> because because otherwise it's like, how do you get an egg of this size out of a... Oh my god. It's literally god, the size you know? of a person's torso. It doesn't that make sense. Way yeah. bigger than a, than a human baby. <laughs> so... so the way Argonians are hatched or whatever, then you have to imagine that if that's the only option, then there are non-history Argonians in Morrowind that have clutches that they're allowed to hold and allow them to hatch new ones from. And they just like, wherever their slave pens are, that's where they hatch now, them. That was an interesting thing about the story of Jarit, is that the owner uh, offered to send the eggs back to, uh, back to Blackmarsh. Oh, and this this was this you know the way it's presented that this was would be a standard thing, but the but the parents wanted to keep them. Oh, huh. yeah, 
Anyway, so in the Uxith, you have egg tenders. They discern which eggs are healthy and which ones are not destined to hatch. And if an Argonian egg is not destined to hatch, it returns to the hist. And the egg tenders crush biting bugs, which may harm the eggs. And bugs, man. Yeah, bugs again. It's bugs. Well, look, have you have you been to Shadow Fern Animal? Yeah. It's just bugs everywhere. It's just bugs going to marsh. Swamp. I remember flesh flies being mentioned a lot in something yeah. I'll talk about later, which apparently Argonians don't have nearly as much problem with because scales repel them, but humans really don't have a fun time around flesh flies. Well, Another point for Argonians. Yep. Uh, the egg tenders read nursery rhymes and play the flute. I love that. I just love like that. Sitting in front of like a like a field of eggs, and then like in like Shadowfen where there's like the huge batches of eggs, just sitting there being like, "And once upon a time, there was a tree. Dude, that, that tree quest had a beetle problem." Your your thing's very cute, but I just thought about what actually happens in that quest. That quest line's line very depressing. Yeah, yes. that quest line is very depressing. It's not where so they essentially try to... Dominion. Ice. Okay. I yeah. still argue that that's a rogue set. I still that, argue it's a rogue. There are just all of the rogues from the other factions all went Ebonheart Pact. Because it's it's a yeah. it's a war crime. Yeah, because yeah. It's De- destroying war crime. eggs is a war crime. It's the Daggerfall war- Covenant messes up in Stonefalls, and the Aldmeri Dominion really messes up there in a uh, Shadowfen. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I refuse to believe Queen Irene saw no, I don't saw think that she order been okay and was like, it. yeah, let's Agreed. kill some Argonian babies. It's fine before they hatch. I agree. I, 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 you're not wrong. But it's still horrific going through that quest. I actually don't yeah. like going through Shadowfen just because of that quest. It just makes me really sad. Oh, yeah. I, lo- I love Shadowfen. Shadowfen's cool. Oh, Shadowfen's a pain to get through, but it's cool. It's very cool. Um, so they, they did well on lore with that one. <laughs> it's not yes. supposed to be friendly for travelers. True, true. <laughs> Okay, should we get on to the interesting tidbits? Because people, people like throughout the podcast, the live podcast, people have been typing chat. Don't forget the shadow scales. I'm like, yeah, we haven't forgotten them. They're in there. So lots. Let's talk about the shadow scales. <laughs> <Let's talk> about- <laughs> yeah, two of my favorite things are our first things here. So I think Baratron wrote the note down, but the shadow scales are one, yeah. a specific sect of Argonians. Essentially, if an Argonian has hatched, born, whatever, under the shadow, then they offer them up to the Dark Brotherhood. And they're trained to be Dark Brotherhood assassins. The Constellation of the Shadow is a clarification, not like a another for a shadow. Like, Yeah, yeah. If they're the born under the star sign. Not like sign a shadow, of, shadow of, of a history or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The star sign. The okay. Constellation. They're all under the shadow of a history. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, they're offered to the Dark Brotherhood. They're trained to be assassins. And so I'm not exactly clear on all of the details here, but... From what I can tell, the ones that are part of the Dark Brotherhood still have this extra or otherness to them compared to the rest of the Dark Brotherhood because they're still very committed to Black Marsh and Swamp Justice and upholding their people in along with their connection to Sithis. And their tenets are slightly different, even though they integrate just fine with the Dark Brotherhood the way that they revere Sithis and focus on doing things is just a slightly different philosophical angle, even though it works fine alongside the rest of the Dark Brotherhood. It also seems to be the case that these assassins don't have to always be in the Dark Brotherhood. They can serve just as Shadow Scales in Black Marsh. And I don't know if they are all trained by the Dark Brotherhood and then some leave, or if there's ones that are just Shadow Scales and Nether Dark Brotherhood, I, I don't know how much we have on those exact details there. 
but uh they're very cool and my go-to role play for a character is always a non-dark brotherhood shadow scale whose entire point is be the needed change so he's a goodish guy but he's willing to wipe out people that need wiped out in order to bring about the necessary change which is also kind of a sigic thing but hey sigics also likes it this sort of yeah and then i have to let you talk again about your favorite tidbit <laughs> of black marsh but yeah so, the book the arconian account first of all after you're done listening to this podcast go to uasp.net search for the argonian account and read it because it's awesome it's so good i think it was our most substantial look at black marsh until eso came out yeah and Definitely. it's super cool it's a sequel to a dance in fire which was the bosmer one that i'm sure i recommended on the last lore thing that we did so the argonian account is decumus scotty working his way through black marsh trying to figure out how to improve trade with them for imperials super fun highly recommend it one, they talk about some other tribes of, um, excuse me, a bug just flew past, <laughs> flesh fly, <laughs> uh, other a tribes <laughs> of Argonian. They mentioned the Naga, which are vicious, like really tall um, adder, so snake-like um, Argonians. They also briefly mentioned the Patru, who are toad-like, and the Sarpa, which are winged, uh, so there might be flying Argonians out there. And then you also meet the Agasefs, who are not immediately violent like the other ones are. They have really long needle-like snouts and really brightly colored scales. Too bad ESO didn't show us all of this variety. I know it took them a while to get around to Khajiit, so maybe Argonians just weren't that high on the list. I would love to see more diversity in Argonians, though Naga and Behemoths were a fun start. Anyway... The other really, really cool detail to me from there, which I've mentioned plenty of times before, is rootworms. So this, they're not Argonians. They're a separate creature that just live in the marsh, and they go gliding along the roots underneath the muck. They're basically just amoebas of some sort, just really big blob things. And I don't know if they have anything besides just a giant sack of jelly, and they migrate. They'll just travel really fast along the routes, north to south, south to north, whatever season it is. And our main character, Scotty, he gets put in a thing of mud and sinks down into the mud. And then suddenly he's enveloped and he looks around and he's inside this clear jelly thing <laughs> racing along at crazy speeds underground. He can see other people like he sees one other person also in one and they wave at each other before his zooms off. And then when you get to your destination, you can tell by what color mud it is. Oh, I need to get off now. I saw the bubbles in the red mud. You just burst out of the thing's skin and f float back up through the mud. I am so glad we didn't have to do this in the games. Oh, I wish that was so a thing. Fun. I know if they had that as a fast travel. It might have been fun or it might have been really gruesome. No, but like instead of like the boats, like you go and you click and you just saw see your character like sink down in the mud, be like, ah, 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 and then like pop back up on the other side scotty mm -hmm. is such a fun character because he's like just barely holding it together and he hardly knows what's going on most of the time one of the last things he hears before he sinks into the mud not even knowing what's happening is that don't worry you can survive for weeks inside their stomachs so technically you travel in this thing's stomach as it tries to eat you but it eats you so slow you can just use it as a form of transport yep Amazing. i love it it's super duper cool a gross thing is that... <laughs> That's not the gross thing. Because of Scotty's involvement, trade with Black Marsh improves. 
because he lets Black Marsh be Black Marsh. One of the things they do is they transport grain via rootworm. So as in some of the grain, they'll send in small packages, rootworms will take it, then they'll take it back out. So some of the food being shipped to Cyrodiil from Black Marsh has already been in something's stomach. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, they do it with coffee, don't they? Yeah, the but that's also coffee. disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> While we're on the subject of disturbing things, the Nagaka, the Deadwater tribe, make weapons from the bones and teeth of their fallen ex-siblings. For the Deadwater, death is certain. Death brings new life, as shield and bow, or axe and knife. Time, the soul moves on. Yeah, so that's... Morbid. I, I... Hey, that's Timmy's femur. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, but, that's, but, that's... but that's their culture. Yeah, I think it's really <laughs> interesting that they do that. Uh, my favorite thing is Argonian musical instruments. Um... I remember listening to Lehman Tuttle. I think it was on. I can't remember. I think it was on the War Seeker podcast about him going over to their uh, like sound engineer and saying, "So I need an instrument that sounds like I'm pulling on a frog and it's making noise." And they're like, "Okay." Because what they have, they have some really strange musical instruments. One of them is the Vasa Satel, uh, that looks kind of like a polished wooden clam with a series of valves on top, and each segment of the shell has a small hollow compartment with the mouth like a bugle. Um, and according to the musician, each chamber is a different size and produces a different tone. And then what they do is they put frogs inside of it. So and that apparently, apparently the frogs are really happy. Yeah, they like a nice it. Nice little home for the frog in it. If they build a nice little frog, the frog, and then you have these frog collars that Doesn't, they sound great. They're in ESO. If you don't have one as a furnishing, let me know, and we will make sure to get you some for your home because I have them all over my house. So all you hear is like this. Whoa, 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 <laughs> There's whoa. one in the guild hall. There's in one the in the guild USP hall. Guild hall. If and you travel to my house, you'll find one. Several people I know have got like a load of. <laughs> Yeah, you just listen, go in and yeah. it's like womp 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 but it's not really a womp 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 he, he made the noise better than I, I could and like <laughs> the best part about the item in game 2 is that I, it's like frog collar colon untuned and I'm like what does a tuned one sound well, like yeah. how do you tune a frog so oh, I love it and it's just like there's so many like little bizarre Argonian things, which is just like this the clear reason why they are my all-time favorite race of Tamriel, because it's just they're so bizarre, but oddly relatable at the same time. Yeah. With their frog instruments that I can relate to. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's I, the next thing you're gonna be building after your table, a frog instrument. Oh, I wonder if I could add okay. I bet I could actually carve out a frog collar. I won't put any real frogs in it, I promise. But I have some fake, I have some actually fake frog toys that my kids have that light up that might be kind of fun for this. Perfect. You could maybe use some sort of electronic um, Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah, I can put like a little <coughs> music player in it. Sorry, my maybe. phone just buzzed, so I moved it out of the way so it didn't interfere with the microphone and then I dropped it on the floor because I'm great. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I, oh, I don't want this to make a big scene continuously starts to make a big scene of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. I'm, 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 I'm great. Well, 
unless there's anything else we want to cover, I think that's probably a good place to call it for tonight. I think we covered a lot. We had a lot of fun discussions here, and I think there's a lot of interesting lore that we have covered. I just want to finish with my favorite Argonian swear word. Which is? Oh. Which is chaos. Don't which... know what it means. <laughs> but, uh... but it's not a good thing. But it's, it's, a not gen- a good it's a general thing. all-purpose exclamation curse. It's a general sort of, well, Cow. something something bad has happened. <laughs> a like bad it. thing has happened, and I want to <laughs> express the... That's how you felt after your phone dropped just now. This maybe yeah, is, actually, yes. <laughs> this is maybe an interesting tidbit. It's not directly a Argonian lore tidbit, though. Sometimes when I'm playing Skyrim... And I'm trying to sort of do my like role playing, like I'm thinking about my character, I'm playing it like I'm actually eating yep. food and stuff and stuff. Sometimes I start reading out my own dialogue and I do it with an Argonian voice. And then sometimes I turn over and my wife's staring at me from the other room. I'm sorry, could you please uh, give us an example of your Argonian voice? Yes, um, I need to hear it. It's yeah. not particularly good, but sometimes I just so, practice it doesn't while doing matter. it. Does not Let me matter. think of a sentence. Um, oh... The problem is then I start mixing in Khajiit as well. So that's my um, problem too. I write tr- the spine of disappointment. That's not yeah, bad. That's pretty good. They've got this like monotoneness to them that is hard to do. And when I start slipping into that, you start wanting to talk third person. Yes. It's really interesting. I imagine it's very challenging for the voice actors to do Argonian voices. Heem Jass. Heem Jass is the best of Heem Jass. Awesome. Whoever, whoever his voice actor is. It's just amazing. Well, on behalf of myself, Lost, Baratron, and the rest of the staff at EESP, we hope you guys had fun with us on our Argonian trip through the Rootworms as we discovered all of the different lore of the Argonians. And we'll be back again next week with some more information, probably about Markarth, so make sure you tune in then. So I hope you guys have some fantastic adventures in Nern, and we will see you all again soon. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. See ya.